So Rick, I think this is a first. We've often finished a podcast and still felt like we had more to say, but uh, today we're taking the opportunity to record a bonus episode after what was already a long episode, but there truly was more that we still had to say. Yeah, we decided let's run it back. Let's run through the landmine or the minefield again. <laughs> hey, Minefields are fun. Yeah, huh? aren't they? Hey, so I listened to the I listened to the last episode that we recorded and I just want to apologize to everybody out there um I had a hard time even hearing myself. I think I got away from the microphone while I was talking. So I'm going to try. I'm doing everybody a promise right now. I'm going to promise to be better and speak directly into the microphone and not annoy you by not being able to hear what I say. It's hard on a preacher to, to talk and be motionless at the same time, isn't My it? My life is hard <laughs> and I need sympathy. <laughs> no, I could just do better. I could talk right into the microphone. All right. Well, we'll hold you to that this okay. time. On this special bonus episode of the First Peter series, uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to cover a couple more topics that we didn't have time for last time around. Yeah, last time we promised that we would talk about masks, and we we promised we'd talk about, oh, how does this apply to, to lockdowns? And then you said, hey, let's talk about protests too. And we never talked about um, protests. So yep, so we're going to get to protests. Yeah. We'd gotten some questions about slavery and That's where right. that comes up in the chapter, and That's we didn't right. have time for that either. So uh, yeah, we've got some easy topics to cover. Okay, where do you think today. we should start? Well, why don't we start in on the slavery issue? Because that, that's a, a big paragraph sure. in this chapter. Sure. Peter gives lots of attention to, to slaves. And, um, you know, I, I want to make sure that everybody hears this. It was so incredibly uncommon. Uh, not just uncommon, it was non-existent. Slaves were written about, but they were never written to. In ancient literature, you did not write directly to a slave. They were not given that kind of dignity. So the very fact that Peter would address slaves directly is uh, revolutionary. It's hmm. radical. And the dignity that he's, that he's getting, it might be, for the people who are the recipients of this letter, it might be the first time that a letter was ever addressed to them. Hmm. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's, he's treating them with, with dignity. And I just want to... Can we just acknowledge at the at the top of this conversation real quick, I get why people would say, I just really want Peter to say slavery is wrong. Why won't he just say slavery is wrong? Can you can you mm -hmm. relate to people mm -hmm. who yeah, have that desire? Yeah, it's often a criticism that people have of the Bible of why didn't he just come out directly and say this is wrong? Stop it. <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, there are places where slave trading is directly condemned to both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It came with the uh, death penalty in the in the Old Testament. Slave traders were condemned uh, in the New Testament. We have to remember that the New Testament was written by people who had no power to people mostly who had no power. It was written by people on the bottom to people who were on the bottom. Now, we did acknowledge in the last episode that there were a lot of uh, people socially on the bottom in every New Testament church, but there were some wealthy folks. Mm. Uh, there were there were people uh, who were quite wealthy and some people who had uh, power in their in their society. The the the, the local church in the New Testament era was uh, incredibly diverse, but probably the overwhelming majority of people would have been socially towards the bottom, uh, would have been women, would have been slaves, or would have been people who just simply were not wealthy or didn't have access to the halls of power. Well, and I think it's also important to acknowledge that Peter's not writing from a blank slate place where he's just That's saying, right. this is the ideal situation for all culture, and That's this right. is what we're aiming for, That's right. as much as he's giving very practical help for mm -hmm. what does it look like to reveal God 
to the people around you in your own context. We live in an age and time when it is incredibly easy for anybody to write. If you if you want to publish a book, there are people who will let you publish a book. It is easy to do. Simply writing a letter in the first century, it was not that easy. Number one, everyone, just about everyone could read. Not everyone knew how to write. The skill of being able to read and the skill of being able to write are totally different things. And so often people who are highly educated were not necessarily skilled in writing. It was hard work to write. And so crafting a letter, especially a, the letter the size of First Peter, it is incredibly uncommon. It's very expensive. It is arduous work uh, to, to get it done. And so you have to be very judicious or careful with the space that you have. Mm-hmm. So Peter cannot write about everything. He can only write about what he absolutely has to talk about. And what he's trying to address are the practical concerns. How do you stand fast in the gospel when you're in a situation that you can't stand? How do you stand up when standing isn't easy? What does it mean to follow Jesus in this difficult situation? That was what was urgent. And so that's what he was writing about. Mm. So it it does talk about still slaves living as if they're free, mm-hmm. but they're slaves to God. Can you tease out the the what feels like a little sure. bit of a contradiction there? So he goes from a metaphor to something quite literal. So let's talk for a second about what does it mean to be God's slaves, because God never refers to us as his slaves, but that's something that you'll find New Testament writers say. As a matter of fact, Jesus said uh, to his disciples, no longer do I call you slaves, I call you friends, mm. right? And we are, we are co-heirs. We, we, we are God's chosen people. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priest. We're God's special possession. We're, we're saying all of these things. And then Peter says, listen, live, you're free, but live as God's slaves. What is that about? It's, I will never use, I'll never use my freedom. I'll never use anything to uh, impose or assert my agenda and my desires over what God desires. I will always say yes to him and no to myself whenever what God desires and what I desire is intention. I think it's partly what's behind or maybe majorly what's behind when we're told by Jesus to take up our cross and to follow him. Mm. It's about dying to ourselves, dying to our own agenda. Think about uh, the Apostle Paul um, in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, basically, I've died to myself and I'm now alive to Christ. That's what baptism represents. When we go down underneath the water, I'm dying to an old way of life and I come up and I'm identifying with new life in Jesus. It's not about me. It's about him. Mm-hmm. I defer to him. So it's a powerful metaphor, not a degrading metaphor, but a very powerful metaphor saying, I'm placing myself underneath his leadership and his authority. Yeah, it's, it's the essence of us yeah. imitating Jesus and saying, not mm-hmm. my will, but yours, God, be done. Oh, yeah. If you read Philippians uh, Philippians chapter 2, that he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage or to be exploited, but basically made himself a servant for us, made himself a slave for us. There is a real identification with who Jesus is. And that's the common theme throughout all of First Peter. Mm-hmm. And yet, go back to the point in First Peter about why the slaves are called to act in the way that they are. It's, it's not just so that they would be uh, orderly or, 
or or following an unjust master. Mm-hmm. It has so much more to do with how their character would reveal something so much greater yeah, Peter, than just obedience. Peter was very careful to begin it with out of reverence for God. Mm-hmm. This is about your relationship with him. This is about how you love him, trust him, and how you feel about him. It's not about that person. Sure, it's going to intersect with that. But this is about you and Jesus. Um, earlier, we're told that we're supposed to submit to governing authorities, even those who are unjust towards us and put us in places of injustice. And we do so for the sake of the Lord, for Jesus' sake, for his name's sake, for his glory, for his purposes. And we do that. That's at the heart. That's at the heart of every instruction. And uh, it would be interesting. I would encourage people who who enjoy studying God's word, find every place where Peter says, so that. Mm-hmm. So that is, here's the command, and this is the outcome. Here's the command. This is the why behind it. And we're supposed to live our lives in such a way that people would be inspired to worship Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm so committed to the King and him bringing his kingdom to bear in this world and his call to all people to come into the kingdom, that if I have to endure something difficult so other people recognize Jesus as king, I'll do it. That's the attitude that Jesus is, excuse me, that's the attitude that uh, that Peter is writing about and Jesus is calling us to. So let's apply that to the framework of submitting to government mm-hmm. and unjust government. Mm-hmm. We uh, we promised we were going to get to the topic of yeah. of how we engage more fully in politics and how mm-hmm. we maybe participate in things like political protests. Sure. Uh, what does it look like to do that in a way that is respectful of government, of, of different laws or ordinances that may be in place? While still doing that with the motivation of of demonstrating God, sure. So let me let me hit the kind of the easy one first about okay. just engaging in politics, and then jump to protests after that because a number of people are saying, Rick, hey, uh, just give me a little bit more handhold. Give me mm-hmm. give me some more examples. So I'm, I'm not. I guess you're saying don't be Christian nationalist, and people are still trying to figure out what that means and mm. how do we engage in politics? Are we allowed to love our country? Are we allowed to be patriotic? Absolutely, be patriotic. We should love our country. We shouldn't only love this country, but our love should be fully expressed for our country and the country we're in and a part of. By all means, get engaged in politics. We live in a country, we have so many on-ramps and open doors to participate in the political process. We should take advantage with wisdom of every single one that's available to us. If you want to run for office, run for office and seek to, if you get to be a legislator, seek to write laws and enact laws that reflect biblical wisdom, thinking about what is best for society, what supports human thriving and flourishing. And if you do that, you're going to be living by this question. What does love require for me? If you're saying, Rick, that's not for me, I'm not going to run for city council or governor or state legislator or anything like that. Vote for the people. Mm. and vote for the laws that you are convinced that best support that. Absolutely. If you want to donate to candidates, donate to candidates. If you want to uh, if you want to get the vote out, go join efforts to get the vote out. If you want to um, go to political rallies, go be a part of political rallies. But we don't do it primarily as a political party affiliate or primarily as a citizen of any nation. We do it primarily as followers of Jesus, what he says is what's most important to us, and we're trying to represent him and invite other people into his kingdom. So if your heart breaks over abortion, like my heart breaks over abortion, vote for politicians who will seek to end that and vote for laws that would seek to end that and 
also vote for politicians and vote for initiatives and laws that would serve families and moms, especially those who are in vulnerable situations. Mm -hmm. We've got to seek the good of all. That's part of what it means to represent the king and live by the question, why does love require of me? So let me just kind of pause there. We're not at protest yet. Yeah. Can you maybe say a little bit more about what would be uh, your thought process on when you are trying to vote for a candidate that maybe you agree with strongly in certain areas, but not in others. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Now. Well, I, listen, I'm not asking you to to, dis- to ascribe affiliation one way or the other, but but what might be someone's thought process on on how to weigh different topics or sure. or just what, what would be some wise practices? Well, if we're going to talk about wisdom, which I think we should, we're commanded over and over again both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to live with wisdom. Let me remind everybody of something I think I said last episode. Wisdom cannot be reduced to rules. If you're looking for a checklist or just some simple rules, you're not going to find it. Wisdom requires hard work. you got to lean in. And you probably want to go to do, you probably need to do quite a bit of reading. Listen to folks who are are, um, trying to, who've done the work, of wrestling with their faith and the political structure that we're in and the needs that our that our country and our world faces. So you're going to lean in, you're going to do a lot of work. And as you're evaluating uh, things like war and economics and immigration, um, infrastructure, um, abortion, um, regulation of banks and industry, as you're evaluating all of those things, you're going to have to make judgment calls. Mm. And at the end of the day, do what you think is best. Be prayerful, be considerate, be informed, and make the judgment call that you think is best. Okay, so be involved, make the judgment call you think is best. Yeah. Now, how do we engage in uh, in some of those next level behaviors, things like protesting government or, or cases where we see something that we just feel like, I, I just can't be silent about this anymore. You know, I've been I've been thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been thinking about mockery a lot lately. Hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of sarcasm. It's one of my favorite <laughs> expressions of humor. Um, it gets me in trouble sometimes. A, a friend of mine used to say that my, I have a malady called a, a first impression sarcasm. I'll say something sarcastic to someone when I first meet them, and they don't know me well enough to know oh. that I'm being sarcastic. And everything about my face says that I'm not being funny, but. I, I'm having <laughs> a good time. I'm just yeah. being, I'm being com- com- comedic. And you find mockery in scripture. Hmm. You find people engaging in mockery. I mean, there's even a couple of instances mm-hmm. where, where God engages <laughs> in mockery, but it is very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm just at the spot now that I'm, I'm like a teetotaler when it comes to, when it comes to mockery, I'm just going to abstain, especially when it, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to those who are in uh, positions of leadership I know how I wrestle over making decisions and how sometimes it hurts me when it feels like people don't take the time to even try to understand Mm. the difficulty Mm -hmm. of the decision that had to be made. So just out of respect for others and knowing that I'm probably going to get it wrong, I'm trying to stay away from mocking Mm -hmm. leaders, even the leaders who I think are dead wrong. If you think they're dead wrong, say, that's wrong Mm -hmm. and this is why. But I don't want to make fun of people. We can certainly disagree in a charitable way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can laugh together. But I don't want to make fun of people. I, I just I just don't want to do that. I don't want to engage in mockery. I just think I just think it's I think it's harmful for believers witness to engage in things like let's go Brandon. 
Let's just, mm. let's just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things I love about our country is our country supports and accommodates protests of itself. Mm-hmm. The government allows for and accommodates protests of itself. And so if you want to engage in a protest, by all means, engage in a protest. Just do so in a way that honors the law. And if you're around people that look like they're about to break the law, distance yourselves from that as quickly as you can. Mm. So um, this seems like a place where having that wearing the hat of the cultural ambassador mm-hmm. rather than the cultural warrior mm-hmm. is almost more important than at any other place. I appreciate you saying that, Svea, because I want to ask myself this question. Now that you, you've said that, I, you've just given me a really great question. As I engage in this protest, are people going to see me as an ambassador or as a warrior? Mm-hmm. Are they going to see me as someone who cares? Are they going to see me as someone who wants to battle them? Mm-hmm. That's a good. I, that's a question I'm going to chew on. It's a daunting thought to think mm-hmm. if the people that I'm here at this protest with mm-hmm. never set foot in a church, mm-hmm. is my behavior right now showing them Jesus? Oh, oh, um, man! You just reminded me of something. Okay, there, there was a pastor I heard one time say this. You're not mocking him, right? I'm not mocking. <laughs> He said, it's a whole lot easier to demonstrate for Jesus than to demonstrate Jesus. Yeah. So I'm not against demonstrations, not against protests, certainly against the illegal variety. I'm against the kind where people get hurt, where property is damaged, where things are set on fire or um, people engage in theft. And come on, anybody, anybody, (laughs) anybody who's been around a large group of people, um, especially when that that there's alcohol involved or people are angry, you know it gets dangerous in a hurry. Mm. And we just got to be careful. I remember one time I went to an NFL football game and uh, I had this awesome weekend. It was my son's uh, 12th birthday and this was the welcome to manhood weekend. We don't have (laughs) rites of passage Mm. in our culture, so I was trying to create one and we had this weekend long trip um, with another dad from the church and who had sons that were my son's friends. That sounds fun. We went to to a couple of NASCAR races (laughs) and went to a NASCAR race and an NFL football game on the same day. Wow. And I'm not a NASCAR guy. I just did it for my son because uh-huh. I thought he would enjoy it. And I had like I had a good attitude, but I was super I was, this will surprise you. I was being super judgy. Well I'm gonna tease you later about this being your picture of manhood, but I'll wait until <laughs> later. So I thought the NFL crowd will be my people and the NASCAR crowd will not be my people. I loved the NASCAR event and I love the NASCAR crowd. I felt at home. Yeah. And then when I went to the NFL game, I looked around, I'm like, I'm surrounded by 10,000 dudes who are one beer away from a felony. Oh no. And there are two guys who got into a fight with each other. And then the police showed up and they stopped fighting each other and started fighting the police. And I thought, I can't believe I brought my son here. So, oh dear. I don't know. What are we talking about? <laughs> Being an ambassador oh, for Jesus. <laughs> that relates somehow. Don't we see? I don't even... I don't it's, even know what I, why did I tell that we're story? Rec- <laughs> we're recording at the end of our work week, but uh, and we're going to wrap this up pretty soon because it's already there a bonus be episode. A, there had to be a reason that so, I told that story. Oh, it's this. When you're around large crowds, you just got to know things can change in a hurry. Engage with wisdom. There you go. Good point. Okay. So before we wrap this up, are there other elements uh, from this landmine message that uh, you very much wanted to bring out? Or is there something that you want to say that you think will be a helpful springboard into the next chapter? You know, I, I just, I just want to say that I love that people are leaning in and they're studying and they're doing the work of wisdom and they're trying to apply this to, to their lives. And there are going to be a number of things 
where it's simply a judgment call. Mm. Be prayerful, be thoughtful, and do what you think is best. I'm excited to keep going. We're halfway through this book, and the second half is even more practical than the first half. So I think this is is just the beginning of the opportunity that we have to really engage with how Scripture impacts our life. All right. So it's been fun doing a bonus episode. I look forward to the next time. Thank you.